We're reading this morning from Colossians chapter 4, and it's verses 2 to the end, and it starts on page uh, 1184 in uh, the Church Bibles. So it's page 1184, Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, and it says this, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ, for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me, He is a dear brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Hierapolis. Our dear friend Luke the doctor and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see that it is also read in the church of the Laodiceans and that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell our chippers, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Thank you, Sam, for reading, and and Sam, for for your prayers. We might have to have a chat about praying for victory. (laughs) Not even I've tried that for Norwich City. Uh, (laughs) But we do hope that we win. Let's pray, shall we? Let's uh, bow our heads in prayer. Father God, we do thank you for your, your abundant love to us uh, displayed in the person of your Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, Father, we, we pray as we look at this uh, word together that you will really open our hearts to see what it's saying to us. That your spirit so quicken us that we may see the truth and understand it and apply it to our lives as individuals and as a church, that we might be your people, shaped by you. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I wonder whether you uh, are like me when you've watched a film or you watch a series on on TV, um, uh, that you like to kind of go and find out a bit of information behind the scenes of the film or the TV series. I've been watching um, the FBI drama um, uh, Blacklist, um, 
And I wanted to find out how did, they, how did they shoot that scene. I wanted to know a bit more about the characters and the interaction that was going on. Um, and so I would uh, you know, go onto YouTube and find out how they did that. And uh, I wanted to find out about the, the behind the scenes and the dynamics of the relationships and, and how it was shot. In a way, um, chapter four of Colossians gives us uh, a peek behind the scenes of the, the church in Colossae. And we catch there the, the kind of interactions and the, the, the kind of uh, social dynamics of the, the church, how it functioned, how it was coordinated um, on the ground, and how it proclaimed um, the gospel. The earlier chapters, one to three, we've seen... Um, Paul talked about some great doctrines. He's talked about a little bit about his own testimony. He's talked about what it is to, to believe and what it is to have um, values and, and to put them into practice as a church community. And so chapter four really becomes uh, the sort of editorial notes, if you like, um, some very practical social interactions that were, that were happening within the community. It's a kind of a behind-the-scenes Thing going on here into the local church and really interesting uh, way in which the fellow workers, the, the team was operating. So this is really important stuff actually right here at the end, not to be glossed over. Um, and it'll help the local church and it'll really help us here at St. John's as we seek to be built up, to be built as purposeful um, disciples of Jesus Christ. So there's three things, there's three uh, things I want us to look at. And the first of those um, is what the local church really uh, focused on. What was the purpose of um, the church? So what was the primary focus of the local community of faith? And we see that in the opening verses of chapter 4, verses 2 to 6. We see it is the advancement of the gospel. Gospel means good news. And it comes about by prayer. It says, devote yourselves to prayer. So behind the scenes of every local church is a praying church, isn't it? Um, and and uh, it's not a replacement for Christian ministry. It is part and parcel of Christian ministry. And the word here, devote, is that sense of a real kind of eagerness and a real kind of stickability to it, no matter how difficult or hard it might be to pray, and no matter the problems and the struggles, devote yourself to prayer. The assumption here is that prayer actually isn't going to be easy, and that's probably why Paul began with it. Who here finds prayer uh, easy? I mean, I, I think we've all find it at times difficult even the most commit, committed. We find it hard because we perhaps have, have unanswered prayers, prayers that we've been saying for years and they go, go unanswered. We find it difficult because they've not answered in the way that we want them to be answered. We find it difficult to pray because there are a million of other things to do, to watch on, on TV. There's things that we can twiddle on Twitface, um, you know, Twitter, Facebook, twi oh, you got there. Twitface and, um, and YouTube and all that. And maybe we find it hard because we feel sometimes we're just talking at the ceiling. Is God really there? Maybe we find it difficult because um, we just don't know where to begin to pray. 
Or you set yourself to prayer and immediately you find your mind wanders uh, onto, you know, have I left the cooker on? Or, uh, you know, how are Norwich doing in the football? Uh, or whatever it might be. Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer. He knows, I think, by the way, that he start, says devote. He knows that it's not easy. But he's saying, don't give up, stick to it, push on through it. And Paul is telling us this because it is connected with the advancement of the gospel. Verse 2 continues being watchful and thankful. Those words are connected with prayer, aren't they? Um, They're about staying awake, aren't they? They're about uh, being a watchman, that kind of idea of not just looking out for an attack, the watchman, but also looking out for what needs to be done being alert to what's going on. Um, it's always interesting the number of times there's someone or something comes to mind when we're praying. You probably have had that experience. Oh, I need to act on that, or I need to give that person a ring. Looking out for those opportunities to speak of the gospel and bring good news to others of Jesus. So verse 3, pray Paul says, for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. And so here you see clearly, don't you see the purpose for Paul is the same purpose for the local church. The purpose is the advancement of the gospel, the good news. So people in Colossae will hear about Jesus. People in Rome, where Paul is, in prison, we'll hear about Jesus. And so if I was to ask you here this morning, what is the purpose of the local church? What is the purpose of St. John's? What would come to mind? What, what, what do we exist for? What is our purpose? And you might come back and say there's all sorts of answers to that. It, 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 and of course, they could be really important things and, and good things. They could be care for the, the poor. It could be the the care of dying and the lonely. You might say it's bringing social um, justice or to speak of those who can't speak for themselves. You might say it's, a, it's, it's these things that are the purpose of the church. And then there are all sorts of answers to that question. What is the purpose of the church? And many of these things are good and important. But Paul, what does he choose here in his letter to the Colossi, to Colossians? He says the chief purpose, the first purpose, our main purpose as a church is the proclamation of the gospel, the advancement of the good news of Jesus, to speak of Jesus. That is our purpose as a church. And the local church, verse 5, is to be wise in the way that it does this. He says it's to be wise in the way you act towards outsiders, make the most of every opportunity, Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So our our witness is to be wise and to be gracious. What does that mean? Well, it's it's not to be moralizing. It's not to be judgmental. uh, It's to be flavorsome, isn't it? That's the idea of being seasoned with salt. It's supposed to be richer and more exciting and better than what the world has to, to offer, more intriguing because it is more intriguing, the gospel, and it is better than what the world has to offer. So our conversation should be seasoned like that. 
And so it actually doesn't matter whether we're in Rome with Paul or in Colossae or you're sat here this morning in Blackheath or whether we're with the Lockwoods in Blackpool or whether we're the Ray family in Tanzania or whether we're the Medhurst in India or whether Matt in his chaplaincy, sports chaplaincy work, what matters most is that Christ is made known. The gospel goes out, that people have a chance to hear it and receive it. That is the purpose of the local church. It seems very clear to me that that is what he's saying here. Right at the end, he wants to say, this is the purpose of the church is to make the good news of Jesus Christ known. That is our purpose here at St. John's, is to grow the church and deepen our commitment to Jesus Christ because we want people to hear about the gospel. We want people to be saved. Now, that's the purpose. Then in verses 7 to 17, um, Paul gives us the -the behind-the-scenes look at the fellowship of the church. Uh, 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 And uh, we mustn't sort of picture here Paul as some sort of solo preacher, a kind of one-man band, some sort of pioneer, um, some sort of heroic pioneer. Um, It it doesn't fit the picture at all. He was all about the team. He's all about the team. As I say at home, um, I say there's no I in teamwork. (laughs) And then I say to them, there's no I in selfish hypocrisy either. But then I work out there is, and and then I realise I'm dyslexic, and uh, (laughs) that's why I should never use spelling analogies. Anyway, (laughs) fellowship of the local church. It's about teamwork, and you see it here, don't you? Now, look with me. What do we notice? First thing we notice, it's a very mixed bunch of people. Um, We can tell it's a mixed bunch of people because of the names. There are Romans, there are Jews, there are Greeks mentioned here. We have a runaway slave called Onesimus. We've got a past failure in Mark. You can, hear, you can read about that in, in the Acts of the Apostles. They were not all success stories, these, the people here. Um, they were ordinary people from ordinary backgrounds, and they probably didn't speak all the same language. So there, there's a great diversity here. And then you have some like uh, Tychicus and Artechica, uh, his name, which I find difficult to say, had only known Paul a short time. So only known them, uh, perhaps even a few months. Some have known him for a very long time, like Mark and Luke. Luke had been with him for a very long time. Uh, and some had painful memories, some had good memories. So there's a whole load of dynamics uh, going on here. And then there's Demas, it says in verse 14. And we find out about Demas. He actually isn't going to go very far uh, with Paul because in, verse, in 2 Timothy 4, it tells us that Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Um, as I was thinking about all this, this bunch of, of, of people who are working together, it reminded me that uh, Hannah and I, as um, mentioned last week, we, we've been involved with a beach mission for many, many um, years in North Wales. Uh, and we've been on it for 20 years, led it for 11. And over the years, we've seen fellow Christians, fellow workers come and some go, and we've seen the ministry, some stay for a short time, some for a long time, 
some for many years. Some, sadly, have even strayed from the faith who worked uh, with. Uh, some, like this year, were for the very first time. They'd only been involved with it for a week. But the thing that reminded me, and what we see here in Colossians, is just how quickly brothers and sisters can come together, work together for the same purpose. When you have the same purpose, the purpose is the advancement of the gospel, so we can come together, can't we, for the, for the same purpose, for the, that purpose. That is the glue. Paul speaks of them as well with such affection. Did you notice that as well? Um, verse 7, Tychicus, a dear brother, a faithful minister, a fellow servant of the Lord. Verse 9, Anisimus, remember, is a runaway slave, a faithful and dear brother. It's words of affection, endearment. Who is one of you? And notice the word there, fellow. It keeps cropping up. Verse 10, my fellow prisoner, Artarchaicus. I think that's right. Sends you greetings. Verse 11, speaking of justice, Mark and Barnabas, they're the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God and have proved a comfort to me. He talks very endearingly of them. Um, As all these people around him make the ministry, isn't it? It It is a team. It is always a team of trustworthy people, of loyal people, of dependable people, people who have the same purpose, who are godly, supportive, made great sacrifices to keep the whole thing going. Unseen, many unknown, we don't know all their names, fetching, carrying, arriving, going, messages brought, messages going, news passed on. All engaged in the gospel, all in it together. And some of them are, are, are wrestling in prayer, like Epaphras, who was from Colossae, who we think planted the church at the very beginning. And so you can see, we need, to, we need to see behind the scenes, don't we? We need to see behind the scenes as a church. For the advancement of the gospel here at St. John's is definitely not about me. It shouldn't be about me. It has to, and it shouldn't just be about the staff team either or the PCC. It must never be like that. Um, we must be able to say things like our dear brother or sister who does dot, 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 a faithful servant who's eagerly wanting and desiring the advancement of the gospel because they're serving in this, this way. I could fill in the dot, dot, dots with lots of names and people, and I'm sure you can too. So we cannot be sort of vicar and congregation or staff, team and congregation. And, and I think actually it's true to say one of the unfortunate effects of COVID-19 and that pandemic was that a lot of things that as a church were run very centrally because we couldn't do it any other way. But we need to reverse that. And we need to, over these next months and years, need to to change that. We're all in it together, and that means we're fellow workers, you and me together, working as a team. So leadership is not solitary, it's, 
It's actually, I think in some ways, the kind of idea of the leader is, a, is a very much of a cultural byproduct because we talk in our world, don't we, of the CEO or we talk about the, the prime minister as if the leader or, or whatever it might be. In Colossians 4, everyone is a servant, the language of servanthood. And that shouldn't surprise us because Jesus himself, remember what he said in Mark 10, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. We're all servants. We're all called to serve. So we see here these verses, the the fellowship of the church working out in ministry together to the extent that he tells them in verse 16, if you look at it, to share this letter with the local church at Laodicea. And Laodicea would have had a letter and they would have shared it with Colossae. There's a kind of mutual encouragement that goes on, which is really, very, very important. It's a wonderful thing when we share news. Sometimes we're not very good at sharing news, I don't think, of the church. Uh, Sometimes it's good, isn't it, we hear news about what's going on in in Blackpool or or with the Hebron School or in, in Tanzania. But sometimes we're not very good at sharing the good news that is going on and therefore being mutually encouraged that the gospel is being advanced. I mean, here is a bit I received from Bishop George from Mara Diocese a few weeks ago when I told him that we were doing some door-to-door um, visiting around the parish, which I'm sure you've all heard about. He, he emailed me back, and this is for our mutual encouragement. He said, go on, brother. <laughs> With house-to-house visitation and plant the seeds, God will make them grow, even if the culture is cruel and unchanging to the unchanging gospel. Isn't that encouragement? And then he says, please do pray for us as we look forward to ordaining 14 new pastors. Pray also for the confirmation services scheduled for every Sunday till December. Can you imagine that? That's exciting. We normally begin with public air preaching, he says, on Wednesdays and conclude everything on Sunday. Reverend, I would like to assure you that you can count on our prayers. There's a church, a diocese in Tanzania is praying for us. And he says, you can count on our prayers. Isn't that wonderfully encouraging and mutually supportive? We need to do more of that, hear more of that. So that's the fellowship of the church, looks like, committed to the purpose of the church, behind the scenes, working for the advancement of the gospel. And then finally, and very briefly, the work of the gospel is, it is costly. And we catch a hint of this uh, in verse 3, where Paul says, for which I am in chains. He's in Rome, he's in prison. And then he says right at the end, I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. I was thinking about this. You can sort of think about Paul. What, what did he done with his future? What had Paul done with his future? I mean, Paul was on the track, the fast track, to be some, a great Jewish leader, wasn't he? Probably a rabbi. He was zealous. He worked hard. Um, He followed the Jewish customs. He was the top of his class. He was bright and intelligent. Um, He was the new thing on the block. He was zealous. 
And he was a Roman citizen as well, so it meant he could go anywhere in the, in the empire, he could travel as he pleased. What had he done with it all? He'd given it up, he'd given it up all for the sake of the gospel, for the advancement of the gospel. He had it all. He had a nice job, he probably had a pension plan, uh, he probably had retirement apartments sorted on the coast, dreaming of cocktails and collecting shells. Ah, oh, collecting shells on the beach. That must be the, the most important purpose of life. Not. And here he is at the end of his life in Rome, in a Roman prison in chains. But he didn't see it as cost. That's what's so remarkable. He didn't see it as a cost. He says in Philippians, he's in prison there. Uh, he's in prison in Rome when he writes Philippians. And he says... For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Those chains were actually precious to Paul. They're not only a sign of suffering for Christ's sake. He saw those chains actually as an opportunity to preach the gospel. He saw it as to, an opportunity to preach to people who perhaps wouldn't hear, the, the prison guards, other prisoners. Paul's biggest concern was not his own comfort, his Biggest concern was the mystery of Christ and making it known. That's what he was concerned about. And that's where it hits home, isn't it? What is your biggest concern? What is yours and my biggest concern? Uh, you know, it could be the cost of living. We're hearing loads about that. Uh, it could be food prices, fuel costs. It could be how I'm going to live. It could be the, the war in, in, in the Ukraine. It could be uh, global warming. It could be all sorts of really uh, important concerns. But what is our biggest concern? What is your and my biggest concern? Is, does, it, is it, does it line up at all with what Paul and his biggest concern? It's not that those things aren't important and we've been praying for them. But our biggest concern as individuals in the church should be that people hear about the good news of Jesus. That they should be ready to meet their maker. Because all, when, all, when all is said and done, that is ultimately what matters, isn't it? Sure, most of us are not like Paul. He's a, he had a unique ministry. But think for a moment about all those fellow workers around him, many making perilous journeys away from their family and friends for days on end, um, working to support Paul and others in the ministry of advancement of the gospel, giving time and effort at great physical and economic cost. And then, of course, there's the danger of being associated with Paul. Maybe they could be thrown into prison as well. They were... They face great risks, great cost. And of course, most of us will never face this kind of cost. What is the most that we might face? I don't know, maybe a sneer at work, or a friend or a family cold-shouldering us. But actually, what we're finding, even in the parish visiting, we're finding an openness, an eagerness for people to talk. And actually, more often than not, people are willing and wanting 
to hear something of good news of Jesus. Let's pray, shall we? Let's pray. Um, God, our Father, we come before you and we acknowledge sometimes that our, our biggest concern is not Jesus and the advancement of the gospel. And we know the truth of our own hearts, that we're so easily focused on ourselves. And yet your word reminds us here that the chief purpose of the church is to make Jesus known. Forgive us when we, when we lose sight of that. We pray that you would, by your spirit, refocus us, show us how we can share the gospel, take the opportunities that you give us around us, that we might do it wisely and, and compassionately and graciously, that our words would be seasoned with salt. Father, we thank you for our fellowship as a church. We thank you for the, 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 the many um, servants in this church who serve you for the sake of the gospel. We pray that you, we would indeed work together for this end. And although there is a cost, we pray that we'd look up and look and, look and see Jesus, knowing that it is all for his sake. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.